Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friends of the Force, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Brad. And I'm your host, Sarah. And this week on the show, we have a very special episode and something a little different than our typical sort of podcasting. We are joined by none other than the New York Times bestselling author, Allie Hazelwood, who just recently wrote The Love Hypothesis, which Sarah and I both read and loved very dearly. And we're just so excited to dive into uh, with Allie. And you might be saying to yourself, well, Sarah and Brad, this is a Star Wars podcast. And the last time I checked, The Love Hypothesis was a traditionally published romance novel. And boy, you would be correct. Congratulations on your comprehension <laughs> skills. They are out of this world. But the thing you may not know, or may know if you are a Raylo fan such as ourselves, is that the Love Hypothesis originally started as Raylo fan fiction. So uh, Allie is somebody who comes from fandom and has been embraced by the traditionally published world with the Love Hypothesis. And we are so excited in this conversation to talk all things fandom and fiction. So we hope that whether or not you've read the book yet, or whether or not you've enjoyed Raylo in the past in the films, that you find something to love in this interview, because we had a delightful time talking with Allie. Yes, absolutely. So I think not much more can be said, Sarah. So without further ado, let's turn it over to our interview with Allie Hazelwood. So what I told you was true from a certain point of view. A certain point of view? Luke, you're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. All right, everyone. We are so thrilled, beyond thrilled, to have Allie Hazelwood on the pod. You may know her as a fanfic writer in the Raylo community, but you probably now know her as the New York Times bestselling author of The Love Hypothesis. Allie, welcome to the pod. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Well, thank you for being here. And I feel like I have to start with that awesome news. As of recording, The Love Hypothesis has been on the New York Times bestseller list for 11 weeks. What has it been like to have this like debut that is a runaway success? I mean, I'm thrilled. <laughs> amazing. It was uh, truly amazing. Um... I actually, it's, uh, I think when it was like at week seven or eight on the New York Times bestselling author, I told my team, so like a little bit of behind the scene is that uh, the New York Times bestselling uh, bestseller list comes out every Wednesday afternoon. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea how or why, but like my team at Berkeley, which is my publisher, gets it before I get it. And uh, um they, they email me if I've made the list. And uh, uh, what happened is that a few weeks ago, I was like, wouldn't it be amazing if we made it 10 weeks on the list and uh, on this group email? And then we made it 11 weeks. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. And now, but now, now it's okay. People can stop buying the book because uh, <laughs> we've, we've made it to 10. That was what I really wanted. But yeah, okay, it's been everybody. amazing. Slow it down. Your book purchases. Stop Buy something else. Book. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, in, in addition to doing this podcast, I'm also a bookseller. So when I see somebody picking up the book, I'm like, you're in for a good time. I love this yeah. book. Like my coworker and I, we've been friends for a long time. And, uh, you know, 
recently saw House of Gucci and combined both of our interests of Lady Gaga and Raylo. Um, so it was great. But uh, we both have recommendations for it on our, you know, shelves. And we have been trying to get every single person in the bookstore to read it. We're on a quest. <laughs> And we've been doing pretty well so far. We've gotten people who have not read a romance in a hot minute to read a romance. So, you know, it's working for the people. The people are loving it. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. It's very hard to get people who are like romance averse to read romance novels. It feels like um, something that uh, someone I was on a panel with once said was, uh, she was like, I feel like people who don't read romance think that if you read one romance once in your life, then you kind of join a cult and you're stuck there. <laughs> it is kind of hard to get people who are not into romance novels to get to read romance. So honestly, you're doing the Lord's work. Thank you. <laughs> and we are having them join the cult. You know, it is it is real. So for that panelist and all the hesitant romance readers, they should be worried because I like read one romance last year and fell in and i've read like 60 cents um but but like how can you say no to a guaranteed happy ending and you don't have to stress about your characters very much yeah i i think people um i I, there was like this weird penguin random house campaign and uh, i think someone was saying that uh, i think romance is up like by 40 percent or something Mm -hmm. I, i i do think that with you know, the outside world being what it is, people are more and more trying to look for things that are guaranteed happy ending, like you said. Um, so that totally makes sense to me that people are just looking for something that is, you know, relaxing and fun mm-hmm. as opposed to angsty and uh, uh, that will tear you apart. <laughs> and those books are excellent too, but... <laughs> oh, totally. 100%. They're fantastic. But I understand why right now people are like, hmm. Let's let's take it easy. Yeah, like I, I I was somebody that like didn't actively pursue romance stories, but I loved romance in my stories. So like as a Star Wars fan, I'm like I love Anadala, I love Han and Leia, I love Rey and Kylo. Like it's great, all of it's great. Give it to me. I love kissing and hugging in Star Wars. It's fun. And yeah. you know, then we get to like you said the pandemic years, and like I'm watching Bridgerton all of a sudden. I'm like, I never thought I'd be the type of person to watch Bridgerton. What is going on in my life that I've I've gotten to this point? But I think to your to your point, like people want something that is just like good and fun and like a little uplifting. And I think same thing with with your book is like it just seemed like there was just such a massive wave of of support online. There's like fan pages about it. People are making fan art of of Adam and Olive, which is so fun to see. And so I, it's just, there's this big romance wave happening and that is, is just lovely. Absolutely. No, I, I'm so grateful for like all the people who were in fandom with me and kind of like stuck around and supported me. They did not have to support me. They could have just, I mean, most of them had already read the fan fiction <laughs> and they didn't have to buy the book. Some of them bought like four copies of the book and then did giveaways or people are talking about the book to their friends. Uh, people are, you know, like they, they're pulling out art that they've, they've done in the past. They're making new art. It's just, um, I am just overwhelmed and uh, but no overwhelmed is kind of like I feel like overwhelmed has a negative connotation I am just like kind of backlamped because everyone is so lovely and uh, um, yeah I am very happy <laughs> <laughs> let's rewind here a little bit because you know we've mentioned the the Raylo fan community in Star Wars and um, 
so I just want to know a little bit about your background in the Star Wars fandom. What brought you to Star Wars? What are your favorite things about Star Wars? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I was, um, um, I, I, I'm not like a long time Star Wars fan at all. Um, I, I actually was, and I know it's a false dichotomy, but I was more of a Star Trek person. I grew up loving Star Trek and uh, I like as a childhood, like Spock was my hero, which <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And yes, <laughs> I just loved him so much. And, uh, um, and then like, I, I didn't really know that online fandom was a thing. Part of it is also that I grew up in Italy and I didn't grow up speaking English. Like I learned English mm. when I was in my teens. And uh, uh, that's part of the reason why, I I think I didn't really have a lot of access to online fandom. I didn't even know that it was a thing, honestly. Up until I was in my late, late 20s, I, I think I kind of stopped. Like, I, I was always the type of person who kind of gets super obsessed uh, with fictional characters and then like make stories about them in their, in their head but um yeah you know you know what i'm saying <laughs> we've all definitely I, been there <laughs> i was a type of like a person who gets very hyper fixated uh but and like i had like ships in my head but i didn't even know that they were called ships and i didn't fully grasp how incredible online fandom could be um or what really fan fiction was until i i got back into it with the star trek reboots uh when i was uh, i think and and not even like again i was at the time i was doing my phd so i was just really busy with school and like i want to say my fandom was grad school <laughs> like <laughs> i actually thought i was happy spending my weekends in the lab uh, which i wasn't but i thought i was or i lied to myself very well at the time and that was my i think my late 20s my mid to late 20s i was just like work 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 and then I remember we went to the movies to watch the third of the, um, like Star Trek Beyond, the third of the Star mm -hmm. Trek reboots. Um, I hadn't even seen the first two, even though I had been a Star Trek fan, I, I kind of had like dropped off of anything that was good and fun in life. And so I hadn't even seen those movies. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> it was sad. <laughs> but then I watched that movie and I just like fell in love. I remembered how much I loved, you know, Spock and everyone mm -hmm. else and the crew and the dynamics. And that's when I discovered fandom. Um, but just to give you an idea, um, I think that was, uh, that was, oh yeah. So I think, I think I, I watched the movie in 2016 and uh, The Force Awakens had come out in 2015, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I hadn't watched it at the movies, but I also did not care to watch it. Like I I just, I remember my husband that, who at the time he was my boyfriend, uh, he was like, I'm going to go watch The Force Awakens when I go. And I was like, no, find someone else to go with because I don't care. I had seen <laughs> the original trilogy, you know, years before at some point, I'm sure, because I... I I know I had seen it. I, I don't even have memories of seeing it when mm -hmm. for the first time. And I was never like a, a big fan. It, it's uh, a lot of people say that Star Trek is sci-fi and Star Wars is fantasy. I don't really know if that's true. Um, I feel like I don't fully understand the like genre conventions very well, but I remember people telling like I, I remember growing up feeling that I love Star Trek, but I was very very uninterested and very um unimpressed with Star Wars, which 
I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel bad. No, we both no, love Star fine. Trek too. You're 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 in good company. <laughs> and everybody's fandom journey is is valid. You oh, know, yeah. and we are wild. not here to we are not here to be like you didn't see, you know, uh, <laughs> the first movie in the theaters before you were born, you know, like because like we're we're prequel we're prequel people because we're in our 20s, you know. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, exactly. So I remember the prequels coming out when I was like, I don't know, like in, in my maybe early teens or something. And I remember like not watching them and not being interested in them at all. Like I, I didn't care about them. Um, yeah. And I, I remember being interested in the prequels for the first time when someone told me that there was this like super cool love story, like doomed love story. And I really like uh, Natalie Portman and uh, Hayden Christensen. Is that his name? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember liking them a lot and I wanted to like watch it for the first time. And then I watched the prequels, but I just thought they weren't very good. And uh, um so like the story, love story didn't grab me as much as it could have. So that, that was like the end of it too. I basically, I, when the first Awakens came out, I didn't care about Star Wars and I didn't even want to watch the movie. And I didn't watch it for a long time. Um, I think I watched, I think it was on Netflix at some point in 2017 uh, before uh, The Last Jedi came out. And uh, I remember seeing it with my husband just because it was more like, what I want to watch tonight? Or there's this movie. My husband had watched The First Awakens. He had liked it, but he had, he had like that typical opinion of it seems like the same, kind of like the same thing as A New Hope, but just like slightly different. My, my husband has like... My husband grew up reading, uh, um, reading Star, Star Wars stuff, and uh, um, he he read all the books, uh, and then like they weren't canonical anymore or something, and he got so mad. <laughs> yeah. So that's like I know my someone who experienced the same thing. He bought like every single one. Yeah, and he was grumpy grub- about it for a while. <laughs> I know he was like, oh, "What?" Like he's really mad about it. I was like, "Dude." Uh, whatever <laughs> and um so, so he, he thought that this the, the first awakens was objectively good but like uh, i think he was just mad and bitter about <laughs> his precious canon my books my not bo- the books <laughs> the sacred texts <laughs> and uh, um so i didn't see this movie for a long time the first awakens for a long time and then i saw a, like i said on netflix and uh, i remember watching like the, the interrogation scene and being like hang on <laughs> this is good <laughs> i am into this um and i actually read a couple of like i was like i wonder if anyone ships uh, kylo and ray and i i remember looking it up i didn't even know the name i remember finding a bunch of Raylo fan fictions uh and reading them and like uh, you know being interested but at the time i was very deep in the star trek fandom and i was still writing star trek fan fiction i that, that was like i just my hyper fixation for star trek was so strong that I just, there was no room in my heart for it. So I had a couple of fics and then that was it. I remember one fic was like, and I remember most of the fics that I read were um, AUs. So like mm. alternate universe, mm-hmm. um, not even um, set in, in that universe. And that was it. I didn't think about Star Wars again until The Last Jedi came out. And that's when I was on Tumblr. So just also to give you some background, I was not very... I don't know if it was the Star Trek fandom at that time, but like I could feel like 
there was a lot of hatred for the ship that I was interested in for Raylo. Mm. Like a lot of people hated Raylo so much. Um, and I could see it in, uh, on Tumblr in posts. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it was kind of like my, I was very new to fandom. So it was my first experience with anti behaviors. Like I didn't know that people would get mad about fictional characters. It was very new to me, but it was also not really my ship at that time. So I kind of like, was like, Oh, whatever. Um, I didn't really care that much about it. And, uh, um, but then I, I watched like I, the last Jedi came around and, uh, everyone, <laughs> all my friends were complaining about how bad it was, how horrible it was. No. Um, yeah, all my fandom friends, I mean, everyone was like, this is just such a bad movie. I can't believe what they did with Kylo and Ray. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. And, uh, everyone just hated it so deeply. And I remember finding like, I remember the first Raylo fan art I saw of the throne room. It was uh, something that like hot side, I think is her name made. She's a famous artist. And I remember seeing it on Tumblr. I'm like, <gasps> and, uh, <Ooh>. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> and, and, and then I found out that it was something that was actually in the movie. And this mm. was like a couple of days after the movie had come out. And I remember like turning around, looking at my husband and telling him, tomorrow we're going to go, to go watch The Last Jedi. And my husband was like, it's going to be so crowded. Like, let's just wait a couple of weeks. And I'm like, no, we're going to go see The Last Jedi. It's You're like, happening. listen, I've been a Star Wars fan my whole life. We are going tomorrow. <laughs> well, you're asking me to put up something that I wouldn't for my entire life. <laughs> I just, honestly, I never would have thought that they would have taken it, the real, the, the real direction as much as they did. So thank you, Ryan Johnson, for being who you are i love you i owe you my life i really do owe you my life but anyway so that's when i that's that's kind of the moment that i became a star wars fan i think and uh it, it was mostly through Raylo. like then i watched the last jedi i fell in love with the ship i was like this dynamic here is uh, what i want and then like you know, I started rewatching the old movies. I started rewatching the prequels because I wanted to understand better. I started, um, you know, writing fan fiction. I never, I didn't read the books or anything, but like I, I started kind of like, you know, watching uh, um, other material. Like I later watched The Mandalorian, which I loved so much, actually. Um, so that that was really my gateway to the the Star the Star Wars fandom. Um, yeah. So that's that's it. That's that was very long, but mostly just to say I wasn't a Star Wars fan. I was a Raylo fan who became a Star Wars fan. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's some of the most beautiful things about the sequel trilogy is like it created an avenue for so many new fans. Like as people who are very kind of tapped into what's happening in the in the Raylo community, it's so great to see so many people have that same experience of like I liked these two characters together and therefore I now like all of these other things within star Wars that I, I didn't think I originally had an interest in. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, you know, we shouldn't gatekeep these sorts of stories because these stories only ever grow if we allow more people in and, and allow more people to get tapped into them. Um, so the sequels have been just great for like a, a, a like a new generation of fans. I think, uh, the Raylo community is just so amazing because it is full, like chock full of wildly talented and creative people who are doing all sorts of things. You know, it doesn't just have to be writing fiction, fan fiction. It doesn't have to be 
you know, creating art. We have people in, in the Raylo community that are making jewelry or, you know, making other products or just like have really smart and intelligent things to say about the ship, writing meta or just existing. Um, you know, like you don't even have to like put something into the world in an official way, but there's just, it's full of amazing people. And I would love to know like what your experience was like when you initially, you know, hit publish on the fic and, and, and were, was writing fic regularly, um, you know, what your reaction to the original fic was and, and where the inspiration for this story that, you know, became the love hypothesis came from. Yeah, totally. So part of it is like for me, the fandom was just like, uh, this is going to sound really sad, but I didn't really have friends <laughs> before <laughs> fandom. I mean, I did have like work friends and uh, uh, like other, you know, PhD students at first. And then like I hung out with other postdocs and then like I somewhere after I joined the Rayla fandom, I also like became really, really close to two other people who were at my job, like two other postdocs. But really, I think something that happened to me was that like after college, I sort of forgot that I could have friends that shared my interests. Just I kind of got like into grad school mode and it was just about working and about like truly my hobby was working out. That That's that's how cool my life was. And that's how cool a person I was <laughs> and am really. Um, and then um, I remember like, just with the Rayla fandom, um, I just found a community. Um, and I, I, I made like my closest friends right now, like the people that I talk to every day, uh, my best friend, uh, uh, who's, you know, kids I love more than anyone else in my life. I, all of these people I met through fandom. So that was just like, the community like it became my community and even after i stopped being obsessed with fan with fandom and with Raylo, like it, it kind of you know like everything it, it kind of dies down a little bit after a certain point like th there is that part of like that you know and it lasted a long time for me with Raylo, like for a year or so i could think about nothing but Raylo. like it was just like every single thing i just every single moment was uh, i was just like thinking what will the next movie will be like uh, let's read some fan fiction i was obsessed but even when it died down like the community kind of stayed mm -hmm. uh, for me and that's what kept me into Raylo. and that's kind of when i started writing more and more like alternate universe stuff and uh, um that's kind of what i was doing uh where i was at when when i wrote um the fan fiction that then became the love hypothesis and uh, it was uh, um it was me um i it, it was uh, like i wrote it within a kind of like a fan fiction exchange there was this or maybe maybe still there this really big server um for for fan fiction writer of writers within the real fandom and someone was like i would like to read a fake dating story and i was like uh, uh, i had just seen to all the boys i've loved before and i loved it I love mm -hmm. that movie so much. And I was like, you know what? I'll write you a real, like a real fake dating at you. I wanted to, I wanted to write it for a long time uh, or like for a few weeks. So I was like, I'll do it. And that's kind of how it went. And um, everyone was super supportive. Um, I was not like, I was never, you know, the most popular fan fiction writer or anything, but like people were really supportive anyway. And that's, that's the thing of the real fandom. There was always like so much love going around and so much support. And uh, um, yeah, and it was amazing. So I think the reaction was really great. 
from the very beginning and you know my friends were there and like they were better eating what I wrote um so yeah it, it was a really pleasant journey so then I mean obviously it is a book that we we own in our yeah. hands now <laughs> what was your process of um either you know deciding to to write this as original commercial fiction uh, and also the process of you know revising and adapting it into something that is you know in some ways very similar but in also some ways brand new mhm so I started kind of thinking about maybe, maybe trying to um, to write something original uh, in 2019. So that was like, we were about six months out of, um, um, out of uh, Tross, uh, The Rise of Skywalker. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to... Um, it, it's it was kind of like a lull there was not a whole lot of new material coming out like there had been celebration um so and mm-hmm. we had had like the trailer for the movie but then kind of like stuff stopped uh, for a while and then it picked back up in i think you know september or something or but but like there were a few months where there wasn't a whole lot and i think i was feeling like oh it would be good to just kind of like try to write something original you know, and uh, um, at the time, Avon had like an open submission thing. Usually to submit to publishers, you have to have an agent. But at the time, that specific Avon thing did not require an agent. So I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to try to take my fan fiction and adapt it. And that's what I did. And my first pass was really mostly changing the names. I changed a bunch of the things that I never really loved in the fic. But the thing of the fic is that you write chapter by chapter and you can't really mm-hmm. change things, uh, even when you realize that they don't work. But I got to I got to do it when uh, when I, you know, revised it and shortened it. And like there were some parts that were redundant. So that, that was the first, you know, the first part of the process. And then I submitted the fic and of course I didn't get picked up. Um, and uh, I think what happened was that I didn't really think much about it. It's not like, it's not like it was ex- like m- my dream at that time. I was way more oriented towards, you know, trust and what was going to happen with Raylo. I was happy to be in fandom again by the time I got the, re- the rejection. So I wasn't, I didn't really care too much. Um, I remember the Rise of Skywalker came out and uh, there were a lot of new Raylos uh, seeking fan fiction, being really, really into fan fiction. And uh, I remember I was, I actually went to watch the Rise of Skywalker with other Raylos. We rented a theater, a theater in uh, um, North Carolina. There was like 60 of us. It was amazing um again you were talking about like how cool the Raylo community yes. is and like mm-hmm. we did all this stuff like we made Raylo cupcakes we made like Raylo goodie bags so we were doing <laughs> like it was so much fun guys um I like I got my husband to like use this 3d printer at his job to make like Raylo cookie cutters it Who was nice. so cool yeah. guys it's awesome <laughs> we loved it oh yeah so, I, I I did something on a very similar sc- like smaller scale but in Chicago there were about 10 or 12 of us that went amazing so, yes oh, the good yeah. energy that's, it, it's just it's funny like it, it's just it's good and it, again it makes you feel like you're lucky you have friends people that you can enjoy stuff with and uh, you know the, the Red Skywalker t- t- turned out to be not what we wanted but we still like 
I, I actually, there are parts of the Rise of Skywalker that I really, really, really enjoy. Um, and uh, um, so, and, and I'm just still happy that I had the experience of doing all of that stuff with my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my friends brought her dogs and I got to cuddle with her dogs. And that was amazing. <laughs> you know, that's the, that's the stuff that really matters. Now that's the theatrical <laughs> experience right there. The dogs, <laughs> bring the dogs, bring the pets. <laughs> yes. um so at that time uh, uh, there was a big influx of Raylo fans in fandom Mm -hmm. and uh, everyone was like dming me asking me they were like oh your fic is uh, that by that time i had pulled the fan fiction from ao3 because of the submission that i had done so it was pulled and everyone was like um so where could we find your fan fiction? Everyone keeps recommending that specific fan fiction. You pulled it to publish it. Are you going to publish it? Where is it? And I was like, you know what? No, I, I didn't publish it, but I just like re-uploaded it because I couldn't keep up with the DMs and I couldn't send everyone the PDF and I was gone for the weekend to watch this movie and I was having fun with my friends. So I was like, you know what, whatever. And I just re-uploaded it. And that was how my agent found me. She, oh yeah, it was, it was really like kind of serendipitous. She read my fan fiction and then she read a bunch of my other fics. And I had written at the end of what was the, the fan fiction that became the love hypothesis. I had written guys, I'm thinking of publishing this, so I might pull it anytime. So please make sure that you are, that you download it if you want to read it. I had written it like in four different places. So my agent knew that I was kind of interested in publishing. And so that's how she, um, that that's kind of how she reached out. And uh, um, that's when I like, I started really working um, hard in terms of like re- reworking it and readapting it so that it would make sense as an original story. Yeah. So, and uh, when I started, when I finally had my agent, that's, she guided me through the process. And like, Mm. she was like, you know, your, your book needs a plot and the fan fiction didn't really have a plot. It was just like a bunch of chapters of them fake dating. So, um, or, you know, you have to change this. You have to have, uh, you know, you have to give them a purpose. You have to have something that drives the story. And that's when like, I kind of got, I started getting, you know, professional advice like people telling me you might want to read the save the cat writes a book so you know what like what a bit shit a bit shit is and uh, um stuff like that you know it was a bunch of help that i got from industry professionals that i i personally I, i'm not saying that every fan fiction writer would say because there are a lot of fan fiction writers that are way more sophisticated than i'll ever be uh, but i personally needed that kind of help <laughs> and i i got it through my agent mm-hmm. do, do you feel like this is sort of like a, a larger trend that's happening in the publishing industry of publishers embracing fan fiction and and sort of trying to craft that into something more and i feel like especially as fan fiction gets more visibility i think of somebody like chloe Zhao after she won the oscar for nomadland like she even was starting to talk about how she started in fan fiction and she's like i won't reveal like what my name was or anything so i don't want anybody to go back and read it but i love the yeah the rail of fandom trying to guess who she was and everyone guessing that she was <laughs> the specific fan fiction author whom i've loved forever <laughs> so I'm like yeah. i want it to be true <laughs> yeah and she was yeah she's been excited too to see like oh like i want to see what other eternals fan fiction is out there like she she's still into it even to this day but like yeah. what, do yeah. you think this is sort of like part of a larger trend and and what do you think that means for like fan fiction i definitely think that publishing is 
uh, I mean, I know that publishing is uh, recruiting other fanfiction authors. I think, um, so I think there are several things. So part of it is that fanfiction authors, especially when they are very popular, have uh, um, an inbuilt audience. And I know like there is a lot of discussion in publishing about how having, you know, like a million followers doesn't necessarily mean selling a million books um that it's not like a one-to-one relationship that uh there are a bunch of things to consider but in the case of fan fiction like fan fiction authors get followings because of their writing so you can expect that if they have a platform like if diasterisms um who wrote landscapes with a board yes. conquer, uh, mm-hmm. with a board conquer like if she if she publishes a book which i really really hope is going to happen soon you can expect that every single person who read or, or the many people who follow her are going to buy that book because the reason they follow her in the first place is that they love their writing so i think generally publishing is kind of becoming aware of uh, um uh of uh, you know the potential that fic writers have uh for them there is also the fact that so it's complicated, but there haven't been very many fandoms that are as big as Raylo, I think. Um, and, uh, or maybe there have been, but it seems to me like Raylo is pretty huge. So like, it's, uh, um, it seems to me like what happened is a few years ago, there was Twilight and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of fan fiction writers started in Twilight and then like kind of became fam- famous. And before that, there was Harry Potter. And it seems to me like there have been a bunch of other writers from other fandom, but now publishing is truly trying to recruit Raylo because they have seen that the things that Raylo writers like to write about are things that, you know, people who buy romance novels are interested in reading and then buying like there are so many alternate universe fan fictions so that's something that is uh, um you know very easy to adapt um mm-hmm. definitely it's enemies to lovers really but i think there's a little more than that there is like uh, the pining uh, the idea of like soulmates uh, the idea that there are these two really competent really smart really powerful people who are very alone and very isolated for different reasons and uh, who can kind of only understand each other and no one else really can understand them and that is something you know i mean you guys probably remember the the trailer of um uh, uh of uh, the rise of skywalker when they they were like she was saying uh um, i don't remember what she was saying it was something like she's like yeah no one no one knows me no one, no one knows, knows who me. i am yeah and he, and he said but i do and the part wasn't in the movie right <sighs> but the reason they put it in the trailer is that they know exactly what kind of tropes people want to see because that's that that was total like bait and you know i was very i was so disappointed when i found out but like on the other end it's kind of nice to know that they they know exactly what people want and uh, mm. this is something that i feel like a lot of Raylo and fiction writers have uh, harnessed uh, like this uh, this idea of uh, like a love for the ages uh, that it's just like this meant to be feeling um so yeah um i i definitely think that publishing is trying to 
reach out to fan fiction writers. Mm-hmm. I know I have a bunch of friends who have been contacted by publishers recently in the last, like, I don't know, six months, one year. Um, publishing is very slow. So yes. you probably won't hear about it for a while, or maybe you'll start hearing about it right now. But uh, definitely, I think uh, fan fiction and publishing are like merging a little bit and that publishing is noticing more and more how much mm-hmm. fan fiction writers can you know be an asset to them which you know is nice <laughs> the the pace of publishing sometimes like absolutely kills me and i understand that it takes time to write a book like it does it really does but you're like okay i got this announcement from publishers weekly and it's coming out summer 2023 oh you're yeah like, i will just wait <laughs> yeah very, no very patiently I mean, it's so weird like my my deadline for my third book which is coming out in summer 2023 is uh january january 2022 so like it's it's just it's not even like just the writing of the book then it's everything that happens yeah. later mm-hmm. there's like copy edits and developmental edits and like you know past pages and then they have to make a cover and then they have to write the blurbs uh, um it's a whole thing then they have to print it at the very end of that all which is they a whole other thing right now too yeah apparently it's super hard right now uh to print books uh, um i don't fully understand the supply chain but i am told it's a nightmare so yeah so many yeah. things so many things you you mentioned the uh, covers uh i gotta shout out your your cover was so good it's just so great and it's great to have like a Raylo artist involved with the book I doing was, the cover I know. my agent my agent so she's a total nerd and i love her and uh, my agent actually bullied not bullied <laughs> like, <laughs> she lobbied <laughs> my agent bullied my editor <laughs> no my agent lobbied for it she was like wouldn't it be amazing if we could have a fan artist uh, um to do the cover and uh, she was like Lilith is amazing and uh, there were like a bunch of other people that she was like this person is amazing too this person is amazing too this person is amazing too. like we were like giving them options we were like please 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 could it be <laughs> could it be uh, a fan artist and I actually recently talked with my editor and I, I, there are a bunch of like all this stuff happens behind the scenes. Like my, I rarely talk with anyone at Penguin Random Mouse who isn't my editor or my marketing or publicity team. Mm-hmm. My editor um, told me that usually, like the the art department at Penguin Random Mouse is not like super into working with non-established artists, as in uh, they usually want to work with professional artists that have worked with before mm-hmm. and just knowing uh, that like they made an exception for us uh, because they understood how important it was for us that like to, to keep these ties with fandom and to like bring in you know Lilith was just amazing from the very start and I, I really wanted to do this with her and it was amazing that they said yes I'm just really really grateful and then she got to do the covers of my other novellas and yes. she did the cover for my second book that we haven't revealed yet but I just I'm so happy I am so thrilled because what's so amazing I think about you know the love hypothesis success is it you know it is a bit of proof of concept like hey like Raylo is here. We're here to buy books, and um, you know, like so this is a really tight knit community, even though it is vast. You know, mm-hmm. I actually like haven't finished Landscape with a Blur of Conquerors, but like I'm ready to buy that book whenever it gets published. I'm like, I'll be first in line. You know, I will buy um, seven copies and yeah. I'll give them to all my friends. Like, yes. I am ready for it. <laughs> yes, but what's so amazing is like 
everybody is brought along on that journey. Like you had the opportunity to bring Lilith on that journey. And, and now other people are getting the opportunity as they are also, you know, getting agents and getting deals. And I think that's so cool. And like, everybody's on like the Raylo, you know, traditional publishing train here. And I think we are like having a blast, you know, pumping the house of Gucci all the way down, down the, the train. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I love this cover. And I think what's so great about the cover as well is like the illustrated trend is really big in the romance genre right now, but this one looks just a little bit different it stands out um oh yeah and as my friend says like they have faces <laughs> i know they need less of, uh, um abstract style. yeah exactly yeah i i agree and uh, lilith is just i don't know to me like i feel like i could recognize anything not by lilith like she just she is really she's just such a beautiful artist with her mm-hmm. own like like she has a trademarks so uh, yeah no i totally agree i I love the way she does stuff and uh, I just cannot believe that she knows who I am. <laughs> Still. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you mentioned the upcoming novellas. They are under one roof stuck with you and below zero. And we're getting those spring of 2022. Is that the right timeline for things? Yes. I think uh, starting, I think you get the audiobooks. Like they come out first in audio, all three of them. Um, so the, the first audiobook comes out February, then March and April. And then they start coming out in ebook in uh, May, June and July. And then in August, my books, my book, uh, my second book comes out. Um, Yay. Yeah. It's, it feels like a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's um, like, but we're, we're all staying fed here. And I think that's all good. You know, like, thing. <laughs> what can you tease or tell us about any of these upcoming projects that doesn't um, get corporate? I'm mad at you. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, um, I feel like I always mean to ask my editor, what can I say? What can't I say? And then I always forget. And I just like say too much uh but i mean i i definitely like i the, the three novellas used to be fan fictions and uh, um my official stance is that like you know i i had to pull the fan fictions when we we sold them to berkeley but um mm-hmm. i know that there are like pdfs floating around and you know i can't help it if people <laughs> are sharing the pdfs <laughs> if you must <laughs> So, you know, if anyone wants to read them, I'm sure they can find them somewhere in the in the on the internet. And the Wayback Machine is always a thing. That's uh, that's what I always tell people. <laughs> so in case you're wondering the plot details, <laughs> the, the internet might them. have some resources. Otherwise, you'll have to wait. <laughs> Just shut out a tweet. Don't at me. So I'm not part of that. <laughs> I'm not part of this corporate fraud, but just shut out a tweet and someone in the oil of fandom is going to come to your to your rescue don't worry yes and for corporate um if you're listening to this that is someone who is not ali who gave us that response i don't know who it was some other random italian person with an italian accent just like came in she and- just like popped into the room and had that to say it was very odd but like okay we'll, we'll, we'll take it we'll take exactly <laughs> to be fair the novellas are much different from the fan fictions like um the first one was like the fan fictions were about like i don't know fifteen thousand words the first one and then like 8,000 no or 6,000 and then 8,000 words uh, so like relatively short and then we like we had to pull it 
to pull them up to 30,000 words. So there's more in the novellas than, than there was in the fan fictions. But like the plots and the basic concepts have kind of stayed the same, you know. Um, and it was just fun to um, kind of like change the backgrounds a little bit and like kind of like make people interested. I, I, I had a lot of fun writing those novellas, honestly. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was that was like fun and uh, i i'm excited for them for people to read them and like i'm excited for people it was also like really cool because all three i wrote a lot of stuff as gifts to other people like there was a year where every single one of my or my fan of friends uh, who had a birthday got a fan fiction from me as a present what? <laughs> that's so awesome ki- it's kind <laughs> of cheap if you think about it <laughs> no, no 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 let's no, no. no. we're gonna reframe that here you yeah. spent your your time and your your care to <laughs> write them something that would be, you know, emotionally satisfying Thank and you. be something that they're specifically interested in. <laughs> that is an incredibly caring gift. So it's uh, yeah, no, it I may mean, have not cost you any dollars, but yeah. it meant the world. I'm like, Sarah, Sarah, here's a nine dollar Rose Tico Funko Pop for your birthday. <laughs> she didn't get any fan fiction last year. Oh, oh my oh, god, I, I want a Rose Tico Funko Pop though. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best present ever. Here's, here's the fun thing about this. I have not purchased any Funko Pops with the exception of one. I don't buy them. Other people gift them to me. So I have two different Rose Tico Funko Pops. And that's only because other people gifted them to me because they know how much I love her. She's amazing. (laughs) I love her. I would do anything for her. (laughs) I know. She's amazing. I actually recently read... um, Okay, I actually, this is amazing. I recently read two books that are not going to be out for a while, but I'm still going to tell them, tell you about them. Uh, they are um, um, The Dead Romantics by Ashley Poston mm-hmm. and uh, um, Go Hex Yourself by Jessica Clare. And they both, they were in real fan fictions, but they kind of started as real fan fiction, maybe. And then I think, uh, um, I, I just think the authors were a lot into realers. Uh, into Raylo and uh, but they were also like you know authors writing stuff uh, uh, and they had like writing deadlines so I think there was like a a mix of what they would have written if they had written a fan fan fiction and it's they're both very Raylo stories they are both amazing I love them so much and in both stories the characters that I love the most were Rose and in in both I think I I, I think only in one in, in one story she's actually called Rose and in another one, her name is different, but like you can tell that it's Rose because she's so amazing and lovable and fantastic. And like Rose is just the best. And I just, I love the care and love that Rose is getting from the fandom. Oh, yeah. And Ke- Kelly Marie Tran has had a year, you know, between, um, you know, Raya and, and just, uh, she's, I think she's been on a couple different things. Uh, she was part of the, oh gosh, the uh, one music, uh, where she sang, oh, yeah, I forget. Okay. Uh, MCC what it miscast, was. Uh, yeah. and then also she executive produced um, "Summertime," I believe is the movie. So she's she's she's, she's making a comeback. She's busy. I love that for she's her. She's fantastic. I want only the best for her, and uh, I want her also to be my best friend. So that's I <laughs> yeah, hope she I, can deliver. Yeah, exactly. I feel the same way. So <laughs> uh, Kelly, if you're out there. Um, Okay, this is a super, super, super side question because you mentioned The Dead Romantics by Ashley Poston. Have you read her Once Upon a Con series? I have not. 
because okay. I'm going to be honest, I didn't know it was a thing, but I finished her book like two days ago and I'm going to read everything this woman has written. It's you... so good. Like that book is so amazing. I was just like, that's it. Like my life is now her writing. I want to read anything she has written. She's fantastic. Yeah, so uh, the first one in the Once Upon a Con series is Geekerella. And um, it's it's got like a Star Trek-ish fandom convention at the center of it so i just think you would really like it i would actually, <laughs> actually i will say that like that my copy of the love hypothesis sits right next to <gasps> on my shelves intentionally so my heart <laughs> you're gonna love it you're gonna I love, love it. this so much oh my god that is fantastic it's fantastic news honestly <laughs> <laughs> so something that i think we have really connected to throughout our discussion is um, the impact and like influence of fan fiction because you 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 jokingly said like Ryan Johnson you changed my life but you're also like kind of serious about it because it led he to did w- like he I owe him I mean I don't plan to have kids but if I did I would owe him my firstborn <laughs> so but like you know that I think that's incredible right but the way that um the way that Star Wars has shaped has shaped your life and then in turn how the fan fiction that you wrote has shaped your life and the lives of other people and how fan fiction in general just shapes shapes our lives and how it connects one another and uh, it connected you to lilith who did your cover and um you you the raylo community is so bound together by fiction and even after the rise of skywalker it felt like like you said even though we didn't get the ending that we wanted it felt like for so long i had never seen so much like fiction and fan art in my life than i did after that film and it's because people were just channeling all that energy positively really trying to just create something special so i want to ask you like what do you just see kind of overall as like the power of um, just like fandom communities and like fan fiction, especially within those communities? Because I think um, often it's it's overlooked, but there's a lot of great stuff that you can find within that niche. Totally. I mean, I um, like I think it, what I said before still stands like I really did like I found my friends like I found myself um one of the things that I think it's is just great and I mean I know that the real fandom is not just women but um as you know Brad's existence <laughs> proves and I mean there, there are several men <laughs> there are several men in fandom who you know enjoy fan fiction and uh, write fan fiction and uh, but but like let's be real it is a predominantly female space and um it's uh, a very safe space where I personally was able to meet a lot of people who are like-minded and uh, who are incredibly unjudgmental when it comes to, you know, things that um, can, things that like women, adult women enjoy or do not enjoy. And I mean, I'm not saying, there have been like conversations in fandom about, you know, like how, adult women shouldn't be fandom and things like that but you know for the most part like the biggest part of fandom is just like a safe space where like like i was saying earlier i got to make friends and then we would like exchange fan fiction based on our kinks for birthdays like i'm like is this yes. a thing adult women do like is this what having friends really love you and understand you is it, it was just such a an incredibly new experience for me and um yeah like it's it's just uh, 
it's incredibly powerful. And I could just the feeling, the constant feeling of being accepted for despite or because of a bunch of things that are, you know, usually ridiculed in, in normal life. Like I think a fangirl is not something that I ever thought I'd be open about. Um, the fact that I get hyper fixated on things is not something that I ever thought I would, you know, be open about or tell people because I kind of just felt like it was something I should be ashamed of. Uh, the message that I got growing up and the message that I got like from my word was that only losers care so much that they spend hours and hours thinking about fictional characters. It's something that I thought I was supposed to hide. And uh, I remember finding um, it's not just finding that there is fan fiction on the internet, but also finding fan fiction on the internet that is incredibly good, that is actual art. Like I remember the first really, really, really good Star Trek fan fiction that I read um, that I was like, people, there are people in the world who are like me. They are spending so much time polishing stuff about characters that don't really exist polishing stuff that is not gonna make them any money just because they love a franchise a character just because they love a concept that was something that was just incredibly empowering and validating to me like I was like okay so maybe I'm not like the weirdest person in the world because I think about fictional characters in my head while I fall asleep maybe it's normal Maybe there's others. And that is just, it's been life-changing for me. I really do think that in the past now five years that I have discovered fandom and then that I started writing fan fiction, um, I uh, like just everything changed because of that. And in particular for me, so I, like I said before, I was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a woman in STEM and I was in academia and uh, it was very hard for me just to like have any like my, my entire worth came through my my stem output and uh, how good i was at academia and uh, it was just i was obsessed with that like i remember Guys, I remember I went to this like neuroscience symposium thing and I met a bunch of people and I was like super happy to meet them. And then like the first thing that I did was like looking up how many publications they had just to, I was like, I wonder if they think like, I just was afraid that they would think that I was stupid if I had fewer publications than them. That's where my mind was at in terms of work. And I just think that part of it is because uh, I didn't really have anything else aside from aside from like fandom, aside, aside from uh, academia. And then with fandom, I kind of realized that I was more than, than my job. Like I was a person with interest. Like I could, I had friends that I could, you know, send Adam Driver gifts to. Like it was, <laughs> it, it was kind of like discovering that all these things that I had been as a teenager and then maybe a little bit in college, I could still be. Like I could, I could be like a well-rounded person being an adult and being in grad school didn't mean that I just had to be um, a professional human being. I could be just a human being. And it was amazing. Like it just meant so much to me. Um, and it's kind of sad in a weird way that I had all those years where I was just, yeah, I was just spending all my time in love. It was so sad guys. I was in love so much. 
the important part though is that you eventually found fandom because I'm always I'm always a firm believer of like better late than never, you know, yeah, because yeah, 100%. you can you can really like I'm somebody that didn't know anything about fandom until after celebration 2019. I didn't even know what the word ship meant. I was like, I like Ray and Kylo and Sarah's like, are you a Raylo? I'm like, what is that? It means you ship these two characters. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> and like, I didn't know anything, but I mean, it seems like your story, does your, do you feel like some of your story kind of made it into Olive's story? Cause I feel like Olive oh, totally. is somebody, somebody who is like, you know, when she meets Adam for the first time, he's like, no, like, why do you want to be in academia? Like, that's the, that's the question you should ask yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. And it kind of opens up her mind to think like, okay, maybe I can have things outside of, of this specific role that I think I, I want for myself, but like, yeah. why do I actually want it? And do I want other things as well? Absolutely. I mean, I, that was like, that's, I feel like that's kind of the arc of all the books that I've written. Like it's the same, it's for Olive and like, I mean, the second book hasn't come out yet, but like be the main character kind of goes through the same thing. She's like, I can be something else. It's not just my professional self. I feel like um, my third book has something similar. Like it's, they're like twists on, on that trope, but like the idea that, I mean, I definitely like, it, it definitely the discovery that you can be more than your academic self is something that me and my my friends, my work friends, have been going through um, in the past few years. I have a I have a friend who left academia to go into industry, and now she's super happy. I have another friend who kind of like had uh, you know she she moved abroad, and uh, um, she realized that you know it's all bullshit uh, so that is just to say yeah i think that's that's definitely something that i'm probably gonna inject in every single story just the idea of like finding yourself and uh trying to figure out i don't know like trying to figure out what what really makes me happy and uh, what is it that other people expect of me and i think i should be doing um so yeah definitely <laughs> yeah i just as like a reader and as a person um for me, the pandemic coincided with my college graduation. So talk about like only knowing yourself through your academic success and like through what other people think you're going to do, like the, you know, the trajectory. And then like immediately was like, no. And so attempting to kind of rebuild myself and figure out what I enjoy and allowing myself to have hobbies over here, hobbies over here, work in the middle, which can, you know, dip into everything, but like, you know, not centering myself around this one thing um that eats away at your life a little bit sometimes yeah. um and so i really appreciate um olive's story uh and i'm thrilled to hear that you're just going to include variations <laughs> on this theme in every book because frankly i'm going to need to hear it a thousand more times and i think that we all need to hear it a thousand more times because you know i think that our culture broadly is just you know work success CEO millions of dollars. And that's that's the road to being a successful person. Uh, and it's all nonsense, as you said. Uh, you know, it's like it's all bullshit because there mm-hmm. are so many different ways to be happy and places to find happiness and things to get so excited about and, you know, allow yourself to unashamedly do that. Um, and so I think that all of finding it in this story and also all of us just kind of finding this in our life journeys, it's important and it's an important theme to kind of touch on. Um, I'm going to pivot just a little bit because I don't want to take up your time forever. We could be here all night just like, you know, gossiping about how much we love Raylo. There's an Easter egg in this book that made me laugh out loud 
and it may not be so obvious to like non Star Wars fans, non Raylo people, but it, it's it's like a like a big sign in the book. And it may or may not be that moment when Matt, the radar technician, is very clearly <laughs> referenced uh, at the Ugh. picnic. <laughs> Yeah, that was 100%. I laughed out loud. (laughs) I I think it was like one in the morning when I initially read this uh, and I like (laughs) highlighted it on my ebook and I was like, I can't wait for everybody to read this because I was I was reading an ARC copy at that time and I was just like, oh my God, the Raylos are going to go upside down. (laughs) (laughs) Can you talk about like keeping these little um, uh, Easter eggs and moments to the Star Wars roots of the story or, uh, you know, just just having fun moments in the story um, for yourself and for your friends. It was it was amazing. Like and and I'm really glad that my editor let me like there is a point when someone says like head over feet, which is not really an yeah. expression. Like the, the expression is head over heels. But I remember being like putting it in and my editor flagging it. And I was like, can we keep it? <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. my editor was so on board with it. She's like, "Yes, let's do it." And uh, it's been it's been the same thing uh, um, in uh, in all the everything that I've written. She was like, uh, "Is this this doesn't make sense to me? Is it an Easter egg?" And I was like, "Yes, please leave it. Like it's it's important." <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's just um, I I I never want to hide that the love hypothesis was a real fan fiction like i i never ever want to hide it ever um and uh, you know it was written as a fan fiction that updated every couple of weeks or whatever well, actually sometimes every couple of months but you know <laughs> i updated it whenever i i managed to write a chapter and uh, there are parts of it that were kind of like a, you know fan fiction is a conversation sometimes because yeah. you post it to ao3 and then there are the comments and you you do read the comments like the comments deliver to your inbox uh, so it's not like a good like i, I don't read good good reads review because it's not they're not for me but the comments on ao3 are for you as an author so I would read them and like I remember when for example Adam and Olive were supposed to go um to Boston um at the time the thick was a little bit different but there was this idea that there might have they might have to share a hotel room and uh, people were like oh my god is it gonna be is there gonna be only one bed and I remember like reading the comments and uh, kind of like answering them in the mm. text uh, by having Olive address the trope. And it was it's so, so much fun, like knowing that there were those, but like I was writing with a specific audience in mind, which was a small audience, like a couple hundred people, but it was still like, it was, you know, my friends and, and uh, it was just, uh, um, it was nice to be able to keep them in. Like it, it just, it was kind of like, taking a conversation and keeping it in the text, uh, um, like kind of like annotating a text in a weird way. Yeah. And it was just so much fun. Anyway, it's really nice that my editor let me do that. I also love when she acknowledged there was the only one bed trope. That's actually like what my review at the bookstore is. I'm like, okay, flip to this page, read the hypothesis and tell me you aren't hooked. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I love it when the tropes talk back, like, like, yeah. It's I, and, I, yeah. and I just yeah, read, funny. um, Olivia Dade's uh, spoiler, not a spoiler alert, the second one. Oh, I haven't read oh that my yet. Gosh. I, I you will to. also love I these. Uh, but um, there's there's an only one bed moment that they are quite literally driving to. And I'm like, we're getting closer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you can see it from a mile away. It's the best feeling. It's the best feeling. 
I know. I, I think there is a reason if tropes are there and so beloved. It's because they're just nice to read and it's nice to know what's going to happen. I just, I embrace them mm-hmm. thoroughly. It's like a warm hug every time. Yeah. 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 We should probably wrap it up and maybe with a little bit of like a little rapid fire, no pressure on the questions. Just like very low key, no wrong answers, as they say. And whose line is it anyway? You know, it's all made up, and the points don't matter. Let's do this. Yes, yes. Okay. Do you want to go first, Brad, with with a question? Yes. Okay. So my first question, I'm going to bring it back to Raylo because that's why I'm here. Uh, what is your favorite Raylo moment from the entirety of the sequel trilogy? <sighs> it's such a hard question because, um. I, it's definitely the throne room, um, the but not to me speech. It gets me every time. Yes, yes. So good. What is your favorite uh, fan fiction or romance trope? Um, I'm just going to say ABO. Oh. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Amazing. Brilliant. Love it. I'm not going to pretend <laughs> it's not ABO. <laughs> <laughs> is there a ship? that you didn't think you would like but you ended up loving outside of maybe outside of Raylo or something something in any sort of media um Spock Kirk I I started not like I started um I I joined the Star Trek fandom because I just wanted to read about Spock and Uhura and then um and then I discovered Spock Kirk and I was like whoa I like this <laughs> it's a good ship I will say and it's, like Spock is just such a brilliant character. He's my favorite. <laughs> I know. I mean, Spock, uh, I, in the end, I ended up writing fan fiction about Spock and every single other character. It was just, I couldn't stop. <laughs> I couldn't stop. I love it. I love it. Because at the end of the day, we are a Star Wars podcast. Our final question is often, what does Star Wars, and in this case, I will say Star Wars and Raylo, mean to you? Um... I mean, I, I feel like I'm kind of repeating what I said before, but like to me, it's just a community that allowed me to um, discover myself and to find friends and to feel better, like in in my shoes, and uh, to feel better about who I am. So that's that's really what what this is to me. Bring it well, back to. TLJ, something inside me has always been there, and now it's awake. Yes, <laughs> so <laughs> right, perfect. right. I mean, that's all fiction is. It's it's taking the things that are are lying dormant and bringing it to the surface and discovering who we are. Yes. So that's that's yeah. the power of fiction. So thank thank you for for joining us today on on the podcast. It's it's been such a pleasure to to have you here. But um, for all of our folks who've enjoyed the Love Hypothesis or enjoyed this conversation, uh, where can they find you online to follow more of your stuff? Um, ooh. Okay, so I'm on um Instagram at Ali Hazelwood, which is just my first name, my last name. And then on uh, TikTok, I think Ali Hazelwood too. And on I am not really on Facebook, but I do have a Ali Hazelwood um page. And then I am on Twitter at EverSoAli. And you can buy the book wherever books are sold, perhaps at your local indie bookstore where perhaps your local indie bookseller will also love the book. <laughs> I would definitely recommend you buy it at, at, a, at an indie bookseller um, because they are the best. 
if you want to buy it. Do you have a favorite indie bookseller? Here's another rapid fire. No, but <laughs> okay. I I do want to say that I recently was at um, a city bookshop in DC. Um, I'm not from DC, but I was mm-hmm. there and I made friends with one of the booksellers, Destiny, and I love her so much. And I think everyone should go to that bookstore because she's amazing and everyone there is amazing. All right. Love it. We do when we do book reviews, we do an indie bookstore of the week at the top of the review just to highlight a different bookstores around the country. And so this this episodes will be East City Books in D.C. Please. Yes. They are on Pace. I think there are two. They are on like Pennsylvania Avenue or something. Rad. All right. We will give all the details in the thing. We'll book flights tomorrow. Description of the, yeah, because uh, <laughs> it matters to me. It matters to me. So thank you again, Allie, for being on the podcast tonight. We have just had such a, a, a wonderful time getting to chat with you about all things Raylo and the book and our love for Raylo and our love for the book. So <laughs> thank you so much for being here. <laughs> thank you so much, guys. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to our interview with author Ali Hazelwood. It was such a pleasure to have her on the show because, again, Sarah and I loved the love hypothesis and we love TLJ. We love Raylo. And it was just great to learn more about the writing process and uh, talk about all of our favorite aspects of Star Wars and about romance because romance is fun. Romance is great. I love romance. What if we made our whole podcast about romance and TLJ and Raylo? We could. We could call it maybe, we could call it Lovers of the Force. Oh, that's Ooh. that's the stuff. That's brilliant. And here's yeah. the deal. We're going to get we more opportunities. Yeah, we can get more opportunities to work it out, to, to play around with it, because Allie has a bunch more books and novellas coming out in the new year and in years to come. So the first three titles that we're getting in spring 2022 are three novellas titled Under One Roof, Stuck With You, and Below Zero. And those will be available on ebook and audio formats. In the summer slash fall of 2022, we will be getting Love on the Brain, her next full-length novel. And if you've read The Love Hypothesis, you've probably read the excerpt chapter in the end of it. And I... I'm so excited. I don't know about you, Brad, but I'm very hype. So we'll get, we'll be able to work the shop that. Very ready for all of it. Honestly, I just, I just can't wait. <laughs> so if you want to hear more of our thoughts until then, you can find Sarah and I on Twitter, Letterboxd and Goodreads. And you can also follow Sarah's adventures with reading and books and all the good stuff. Follow her over on Instagram at Sarah's Puzzled Pages. And if you're listening to this episode and you enjoyed it and want to hear future episodes, Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. That way our episodes drop right into your podcast feed automatically. Technology. It's so wild. It's wild. It really is. But Crazy. Techno- technology also enables our Patreon. We are so grateful to all of our patrons who help us support the show and in return get some extra perks like um, extra episodes about the High Republic comics and watch alongs that we do occasionally. And we're so grateful for all of our patrons. Amy, Anna, Brian, Cheryl, Deborah, Donnie, Elegy, Jesse, Jen, Knights of Ren, Huang, Levi, Lindsay, Lucy, Marie Claire, Neil, Rachel, Sarah, Saber Bouquet, Skytalkers, Travis, and tea. Thank you, friends. Yes, thank you all once again for listening. And until next time, may the force be with you always. <laughs>